Welcome to the Improve This Podcast with Brent Finnamore. Powerful, practical tools developed through Brent's 25 years of experience working with hundreds of companies in dozens of industries across the globe. Many of the tools Brent shares in his podcast can be further explored in his books on service, sales, and leadership available on Amazon. To learn more about how Brent helps organizations improve, go to thefinnamoregroup.com. And now, here's Brent. Welcome to my Customer Service Tools podcast series. Today we're talking about controlling your own thoughts and moods for maximum performance. If you're working in a high-performance customer service culture that's driven by objectives and metrics, or you simply work in an industry that has sophisticated, highly demanding customers, you probably feel a constant pressure to be the best you can be at all times. In addition to knowing your stuff from a technical standpoint, you also have to be an interpersonal genius, right? You have to be resourceful helpful, persuasive, diplomatic, quick-witted, and show dedication and a sense of urgency for your customers. So the question is, how the heck do you do that? Well, the secret is really no secret at all. It's just that we get so distracted by our daily challenges that we forget all about it. It's our state of mind. It's our mindset and the empowering emotional states it can produce. People who feel good produce good results. People who feel lousy produce lousy results. All of the things being equal, people who feel great produce great results. Not only does research demonstrate this fact, but my own experience in working with more than 30 different cultures around the world has shown me that it's also a global fact. The single most important thing you and I can do to support higher performance is to deliberately think in ways that cause us to feel good no matter what else we're going through. Now, mindset affects performance. When you're feeling lousy, you're in a lousy mood, how interested are you in other people's problems? How willing are you to go the extra mile? How resourceful are you in coming up with high-quality options for your customer? When you're in a lousy mood, how patient are you? What happens to your judgment? Are you as helpful, polite, diplomatic? In a bad mood, do you even want to be excellent? When you're in a good mood, All the tools and skills you've spent a lifetime developing are suddenly available to you. Your toolbox is wide open. You can calm people down. You can persuade them to take action. You can change their minds. You can make them feel understood and cultivate trust. But when you feel lousy, the toolbox is closed and you can't access them, even though they're yours, even though you earned them. You have no access because you feel lousy. So people will often ask me, you mean I have to manage my mindset and feel good all the time so I can do my best work? And my answer is yes and no. Yes, you should always try, and no, you will not always succeed. Emotionally healthy people experience a wide variety of emotions, including frustration and anger. I mean, if you're up all the time, you're either on drugs or insane. (laughs) Either way, something's wrong. We should never feel always happy. We should never feel always angry. Both of those are out of balance, as you know. And a lot of things affect how you're feeling. Not just the angry, rude customer you had to deal with two minutes ago. Researchers years ago discovered there's a genetic component to our moods. And in addition, sometimes we encounter personal challenges, family problems, health issues, financial challenges that affect our moods for a period of time. But one thing we can always control in a moment's notice is our thought habits. So the goal is to learn to catch yourself feeling lousy, 
you know, annoyed, worried, upset, overworked, frustrated, uh, underappreciated, confused, and try to do something. Try to think differently, to turn it around, instead of letting it linger in your nervous system and poison your interactions with customers and colleagues. Now, if I had to take my 30 years of psychological study and experience and boil it down into just two words to decode mindset, I would say focus and perspective. Now, focus means what you look for, what you notice, and what you dwell on. And focus is a choice, even if it's sometimes an unconscious one. Where do you choose to focus most of the time? Do you focus on problems? Or do you focus on solutions to your problems? Do you focus on what you can do or what you can't do? Is your habit to notice that a customer is rude? Or is your habit to notice the problem or the need that's driving that behavior? Do you focus on other people's conduct or your own conduct? Do you focus on all the things you aren't given in a day or all the things you are given? Do you focus on problems that you can influence or do you spend your day dwelling on problems that you can't influence? I mean, some people focus all day, spend their time paying attention to things that they can't control, that they don't want. A lot of people, in fact, as they go through their day, they focus on what they don't want, what they don't like, what they don't have, on what could go wrong and how awful that would be. Other people focus on what they want, what they have, what they can do. They focus on, resource, on solutions and resources to help them achieve those solutions. Focus is key. Your focus is your reality. You show me the nicest person in any room and I'll find something not to like about them if I look hard enough. On the other hand, show me the meanest, nastiest person in a room and I'll find something to love about that person if I focus, if I'm committed to finding it. Show me any change in your company and I'll, I'll find something not to like about it, if that's my focus. Or I can find something to like about it and I can find a way to help. So focus is key. Now the next side of, of mindset that goes along with it is something psychologists call perspective. And perspective means how you choose to see a situation and the meaning you make up. So focus is what you look for and what you dwell on, what you notice. And perspective is how you choose to see that thing and the meaning you make up. You see, human beings are meaning makers. All day, every day, we make up meanings about things that happen to us and around us. And the skill is to make up meanings that empower you and inspire you. And at the very least, meanings that don't leave you chronically angry or depressed or discouraged. Here are some examples. Is the customer being a jerk or are they crying for help? Are they complaining or are they giving you a gift? Is he giving you a dirty look or is he just having a bad day? Is the customer being overly demanding or are they simply expecting the same excellence from you that they adhere to themselves? Is this person being rude or are they acting just like you do when you're not getting what you want? Is the customer totally to blame for the situation? Or have you contributed by what you did or didn't do? And my favorite perspective shifter is this. If the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life was a 10, what number would I give this thing that's happening now? And I note that I survived the 10. So perspective is key. 
Now, you take these two things, focus and perspective, and now what I wanna do is give you some tools to help you take each of those and turn them to your advantage on a daily basis, even on an hourly basis. So, the first tool I have for you I call POT. That's right, POT. Actually, I did POT this morning, just before I started this podcast. I sure did. I do POT every day, and I encourage my family, my kids. I don't call it POT with my kids. I call it something else, but it's called positive outcome thinking. Now, positive outcome thinking means that you expect and plan positive outcomes before any critical conversation. So, it's a planning tool. So, when should you use POT? As I said, before any critical conversation, you know, one where you perceive there's a lot at stake, like talking to an important customer about an important issue, or contributing to a key meeting. So anytime you feel like something is at stake, that's when you should use pot. So many people just wing it, you know? I'll bet you wing it sometimes too, don't you, in your work. But you see, the worst time to think about what you're gonna say is when you're actually saying it. The worst time to try and figure out how you'll influence a customer is when you're actually trying to do it. So POT has two steps, positive outcome thinking. Step one, see the event going the way you'd like it to go. The meeting, the interview, the phone call with the customer. The questions you ask yourself are these. What what do I want to have happen? What do I want to accomplish? How would I like this to go? What do I want them to experience? What do I want to experience? What will I do to increase the odds that it goes just that way? So that's step one. Step two is anticipate problems, obstacles, questions, and objections, and make a plan to reduce them, eliminate them, or handle them. So for example, the questions here would be, what could go wrong? Now, how will I handle it if it does? How might they react? What questions or concerns might they have? How will I respond? So step two in POT is about being ready. So again, step one, how would I like to go? Step two, what could go wrong and what will I do about it if it does? Now, the opposite of POT is something we're probably all familiar with. It's something I call not. Negative outcome thinking. You ever try to Call a customer and that phone weighs 200 pounds. You just can't do it. Ever found yourself procrastinating and putting something off? That's because in your mind, whether you know it or not, you're doing not negative outcome thinking. In 2014, Dr. Gilles Story did an experiment. He took 35 subjects and they were given a shock on the hand. They were told it was five out of 10 and it felt like an insect bite. Then they could choose to either have a four later on, or a six right away and be done. Almost three quarters of people chose the six now. Why? Because dread is the problem. You see, dread plus a six equals more than six. Dread is painful. Dread is the anticipation of discomfort and we hate it. And dread comes from fear. It's a form of fear. You know, fear, fabricated, expectations appearing real. On the other hand, have you ever looked forward to a meeting? Well, of course you have. You did pot unconsciously. This is the opposite of dread. Psychologists call it savoring, the anticipation of pleasure. 
Sometimes doing pot makes you actually look forward to the meeting. Wouldn't you love to spend more of your day savoring upcoming events rather than dreading them? What would that do to your mindset? What would that in turn do to your performance and your resourcefulness? So before I show you the second tool, I want to teach you something interesting about thought control. Did you know that you can control your thoughts and you can control other people's thoughts? And the way you do it is so simple, it actually slips under our noses every day. So take a minute right now, whatever you're doing, but make sure you're safe. But I'm going to ask you a question. Can you state two things right now that you can see that are green? Go ahead. Next question. Can you tell me what time it is right now? Now, no matter what else you were thinking, no matter where else your mind was, what did your mind instantly do when I asked you to look for green? You looked around for green, didn't you? You stopped thinking whatever else you were thinking and you looked for green, right? And then when I said, what time is it? You stopped thinking for green, looking for green, and you started thinking about the time and you looked at a watch or you looked at your clock or your phone, didn't you? That is thought control. The human brain cannot resist answering a question. It's so persuasive. So guess what? There are a set of questions you can ask yourself when you're in an adverse situation that will cause your thoughts to change and be more self-empowering. I call them adversity questions. Now, here's how it works. Imagine you find yourself in the middle of an adverse situation. Let's say you're behind in your work, your boss just gave you a poor performance review, and you're now in the middle of a discussion with an angry customer who doesn't like how you handle this situation, and he's threatening to go to your manager. And it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. Imagine asking yourself, why me? What did I do to deserve this customer? Why is this person being such a jerk? How awful will this probably turn out? How much worse is this probably going to get? How in the world will I ever fix this? How could they do this to me? These are called, I call them anyway, crappy questions. These are crappy questions because these self-questions make your situation worse. I mean, have you ever been in slow traffic and you look at your watch and you say, why me? Does that make the traffic speed up? No, it makes your heart rate speed up and it makes your blood pressure go up. Sometimes we ask ourselves the wrong questions and it leads to the wrong line of thinking and it makes it worse and our performance goes down. So we do this to ourselves. We have to be careful. Look at the first one. Why me? That's self-centered. It's not even about you. It's about the customer. The second one. What did I do to deserve this customer? That's false injustice. The world hasn't wronged you and you're not wrong and you're not bad. Why is this person being such a jerk? Well, that question is polluted with a negative assumption. You've already decided they are a jerk. Now you're wondering why, <laughs> see, right? How awful will this probably turn out? That's negative outcome thinking. How much worse is this probably gonna get? That's also not negative outcome thinking. How in the world will I ever fix this? That's helplessness. And my personal favorite is, how could they do this to me? And that's us acting like a victim. And we're usually not victims at all. We usually have contributed in some way. And we can all relate to these, right? We can all relate to these and we kind of laugh and say, oh gosh, yeah. But the problem is, these questions, if they run in our brains unconsciously, they could ruin our day. So we ruin our day. Let's look at a different set of questions. 
What can I control here? Where's the opportunity here? How can I turn this around? What can I learn from this? How has it served me? How can I make sure this doesn't happen again? What's another way to look at this? What's great about this? What could be great? How can I make it great? What are my choices? What actions can I take? Could I be overreacting a little? I call these adversity questions, and you can probably see their power already. What can I control here? That causes you to focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. And it prevents you from stressing over things you can't control. Ever do that? Where's the opportunity here? How can I turn this around? This one is about finding options to fix the situation or to recover from the situation. What can I learn from this? How has it served me? This one is about learning, failing forward, finding meaning in failure, and growing. How can I make sure this doesn't happen again? This one is about prevention and continuous self-improvement. What's another way to look at this? This one taps your creativity and your innovation. What's great about this? This is about perspective and even sometimes gratitude. What could be great? How can I make it great? This is about positive action, recovery, and innovation. What are my choices? What actions can I take? Again, positive action. Could I be overreacting a little? Again, perspective, larger context. So there you have it. Your mindset is the foundation of great performance in all things, including great customer service. Pot and adversity questions are powerful tools to help you control your own thoughts and produce an empowering state of mind. Thank you for listening. Once again, you can learn more about Brent's enterprise performance solutions at thefinemoregroup.com.